No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where the woman in the Song of Solomon speaks of the power of love, which is as strong as death and cannot be quenched. Finally, she flashes back to the time when love was first awakened in her and her lover. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl concludes the Song of Solomon on Simply the Bible. Well, today we come to the end of the Song of Solomon, and I must say this has been somewhat of a challenging book for me, but also an eye-opening book as we have been able to look at what God has to say on the subject of love, love within the marriage covenant. Now, today we're going to continue in Song of Solomon chapter 8, verse 5, but I just want to mention that there are certain moments in Scripture that define love. We are told, for example, of Jacob, that he worked for Rachel for seven years, but they seemed like only a few days because of his love for her. Then we are given the greatest description in the love chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I read this at every wedding ceremony I do. And we have the amazing example of Christ's love for us. That is the supreme example in Romans 5.8, we are told that God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then Jesus said, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. So these are all great examples of love in Scripture. And we come now to another example here at the end of the Song of Solomon. Now, many scholars consider this the climax of the song. But rather than finding it in the setting of sexual intimacy, as we have seen quite a bit in this book, this description of love is nestled in the woman's expression of her affection for her beloved. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5. Who is this coming up from the desert, leaning on her lover? Now it seems the friends or the maidens are speaking here. They see our couple coming up from the desert or wilderness. The wilderness is typical of life's challenges in a fallen world. Going back to the children of Israel who spent 40 years in the wilderness. Now we see the woman leaning on her love. Abishag leaning on Solomon, if you prefer. This is the place of affection and dependency. Perhaps we think of the old hymn, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. They have come out of the wilderness of challenges to their relationship in a fallen world. They have overcome their own selfishness, for their love has triumphed. And now she is leaning on her husband for loving leadership, which includes affection, protection, and provision. It is a beautiful picture, isn't it? Now she speaks. Under the apple tree, I roused you. There your mother conceived you. There she who was in labor gave you birth. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. 
It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. So in verse 2 of this chapter, she spoke of bringing her lover into the house of her mother, the one who instructed her. Now she focuses on his mother. We see that their love is not a private affair, but a family affair. Now, don't misunderstand me. They have many shared private moments that should remain private. But these happen within the favor, sanction, and blessing of their family members. And that is the joy of a wedding where the entire immediate and extended family is involved. Rejoicing, feasting, dancing, and celebrating the love of a couple who has done it right in the eyes of God and man. Now we also see that she says, under the apple tree I roused you. The apple tree is sometimes seen as a symbol of love in ancient literature, but some see this apple tree as a family tree. There is a sense of generations. Perhaps many names have already been carved in the tree, and now she wants to carve their names into the tree. It's the same tree where her lover's mother gave him birth. Now they will start their own family. There is a sense of immortality in this, as though she stands at a mountain vista looking back over their ancestors and forward over their descendants. It's their time to bring forth fruit in the generations of their family. Now she says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. The seal indicated ownership of a person's valued possessions. So she's asking to be her lover's most valued possession, a possession that would influence his thoughts, that is, over his heart, and his actions over his arm. She would always be on his mind, and, like the Brian Adams song says, everything I do, I do it for you. Now she says that love is as strong as death. We sort of think of the death grip, the grip that death has. Once it clenches a person, there's no turning back. And so she's saying love is like that. There's a death grip on love, and it should be that way. There should be that kind of strong commitment in the love between husband and wife. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. Now, there is a place for jealousy. We know that God is jealous over us. He's jealous for our affection. And she is saying that in our marriage, jealousy is unyielding as the grave. So just as the grave doesn't give up its dead, neither are we going to give one another up to another lover. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Some translate this as like the very flame of the Lord. The source of this burning love that they have is God himself. Now, this should not surprise us, for God is love, and he pours out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If we ever find that the flame of our love is burning out or getting cold, then we can ask God, who is love, and a consuming fire to rekindle that flame. His love consumes all. It will even consume the hurts, resentments, or hardness of heart that can occur in a marriage relationship. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. Their love is such a flame that there are no waters that can quench it, she says. 
Finally, if one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. And that's the thing. People can buy sex, but they cannot buy love. No one can purchase love. It must be given. And her heart is to give her love to her beloved one. Now, in verse 8, we see the woman's brothers speaking. And it's as though she's flashing back to the beginning of their relationship when she was just a virgin living at home, young. And it says, we have a young sister and her breasts are not yet grown. What shall we do for our sister for the day she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. If she is a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. So she's looking back to this time when she was still in her parents' house and her brothers were looking after her. We, we encountered her brothers earlier when we saw that they forced her to work out in the vineyard, which made her dark. But she looks back to when she was young, that her breasts were not yet grown. And her brother said, well, what will we do for our sister in the day she's spoken for? So the time when someone will ask for her hand in marriage, what will we do at that point? And the brothers sort of looked after her as brothers often do. And they said, if she is a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. The idea here is that if she's a wall, she is impenetrable and impregnable. And that is, she is not going to compromise herself, her purity. She's going to remain a virgin all the way until her wedding day. And so if she has that kind of integrity and purity, then they say, we will build towers of silver on her. We will adorn her. In other words, we'll bless her because of her integrity. However, if she is a door, that is, if she's loose, as we might say, if she's opening up to whomever and letting them come in, as it were, then we will enclose her with panels of cedar. We're going to board her up with boards of cedar, a wooden chastity belt, if you will. Then she says, I am a wall and my breasts are like towers. Thus, I have become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. So she is really boasting here in her virginity. She's saying, look, I kept myself. I kept myself pure for my lover, for my wedding day. And now my breasts are like towers. So they have developed. She's of age. And I become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. There's a play on words here because when it says she's one bringing contentment, the word is actually peace or shalom. And Solomon's name is Shalomo. So it's shalom. She's bringing shalom to Shalomo, Solomon, whose name also means peace. So, so it's just sort of a play on words here. Solomon had a vineyard in Baal Haman he let out his vineyard to tenants. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. But my own vineyard is mine to give. The thousand shekels are for you, O Solomon, and two hundred are for those who tend its fruit. So as some believe, Solomon had this vineyard that he had lent out to tenants, and they were to bring him a thousand shekels worth of fruit, and their payment would be two hundred shekels. Well, she worked in the vineyard. She perhaps met Solomon out there. And now she says, my vineyard is mine to give to whomever I will. So now she's speaking of the vineyard of her body. And she's saying, I'm going to give my vineyard to you, Solomon. 
The thousand shekels are all yours. And now he responds, You who dwell in the gardens with friends in attendance, let me hear your voice. And she says, Come away, my lover, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountains. And so it is interesting, in this Song of Solomon, we see many times where she warns the daughters of Jerusalem, the maidens, do not awaken love until it so desires, until it's the right time. And here she goes back in time, she flashes back, she recalls the origins of their relationship and the fact that she did keep her virginity. Rather than what the world often says makes virgins look like there's something wrong with them, like they're prudish or naive, here it is valued as well it should be, for we are to keep ourselves pure. And this is true both of the man and the woman. The virginity should be something that is kept by both man and woman for the marriage day. And then we see the beautiful relationship that God has made, the sexual intimacy that God has created and ordained in the marriage relationship, and how beautiful it is in that relationship. I hope you have enjoyed this Song of Solomon. If you are listening to this at the end, I would encourage you to go back and listen from the beginning. And it has certainly been something that uh, has been <laughs> memorable for me as a teacher. May God bless you. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll begin the study of the book of 1 Kings with a look at the reign of King Solomon. We hope you'll join us as we teach through God's Word on Simply the Bible.